Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. It is Brett from the Bunker. It is Monday, June 8th. It is the year 2020, and we are joined today by Alani Nichelle. Alani, how are you? Alani, are you there? Hold on, I'm going to put you on hold and then get you back on. Alani, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can, Can and you can hear me. This is exciting. We can hear each other. Sorry, say again? I said, yes, it's a breakthrough. Exactly. Someone should patent this technology. It's very exciting where we can talk to people. You can hear me. I can hear you. It's very exciting. Um, So the first question I ask everyone, and this was a much less loaded question when the biggest thing going on in the world was the coronavirus, but I still like to ask. So the question is, how are you holding up? Uh, I'm holding up pretty good. Pretty good. It could be be, uh, a lot worse, but I've just... Eating Cheez-Its in bed for like two hours, so I'm solid. You've been eating Cheez-Its in bed for two hours so far mm-hmm. today? That's yeah. today's activity? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a lot I don't know. Is that, is, is that good? Is that a good thing? Uh-huh. I highly recommend it. Well, well, for me, I'm lactose intolerant, so I'd have to find an alternative. I'd have to eat, I'd have to eat something boring like lentil chips. But, uh-huh. I, but I do like lentil chips, so that could be fun. There you go. Um, so now you you come to us from Rebecca Kaplan. Rebecca's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, we love Rebecca, and you know her through Twitter. Yes, I do. Okay. So um, how uh, how much time do you spend on Twitter? Is that a big a big activity of yours? Um, I would say that I, I spend maybe like like an hour hour and a half altogether on Twitter every day. Um, it's just it's kind of like any app you get sucked in after a while and it's just it's kind of it's kind of nice just reading flippant thoughts from people so do you respond do you respond do you sort of get into twitter debates with with folks Ooh, no not twitter debates i those are stressful um but i do a lot of like dumb tweets or just like i go look at other fellow young millennials tweets and they're all okay. very relatable, and that kind of helps me feel better about my life. So. Now, what did you say, uh, millennials, or did you say something else? Yeah, I said young millennials. Oh, you said m- millennials. Okay, I just wanted to – I thought there was another letter in there. Um, so you, so you confine yourself specifically – like, do you get into the celebrities on Twitter, or do you try to stay away from that? Yeah, I stay away from the celebrities. It's The only original one on Twitter right now is probably Chrissy Teigen. And Chrissy Teigen, really you like her? Oh, she's she's interesting. You know, she definitely uh, told her PR person that she does not need them, uh, and it shows through her tweets. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But they're funny. They're funny. Let's see. What does Chrissy Teigen have to say, have to say on Twitter? Uh, um, she's, she's a demotivational speaker. Kids, the ultimate humbler. Mhm. Um, let's see. 
Also, there is a wonderful new version of Shantae on Switch. I don't know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> Um, that's interesting because that that's not a reply to anything. That's just that's just a statement. Yes. <laughs> if anyone needs a break from anything, each season of Love Island has about fifty three thousand episodes. I don't know what Lo- is Love Island. I assume that's a reality show. Yes, but it's not very good. Um, there doesn't seem to be like a real point to it. So there are a lot of episodes, but I have no idea what's going on. Even at I mean, the beginning you, of it, I don't know what is happening. Are you a reality show person? I am, I am, but usually there's like, you know, a goal at the end of it, like they're going to find a partner, or they're going to earn money if they survive the whole season. Love Island is just like a bunch of hot people that were thrown on an island, and everyone's like, okay, you guys just see if one of you can hold an an intelligent conversation with somebody else, and go, and that seems to be it. And the answer is no. They they really can't. Cannot. <laughs> there's Love Island though. Australia. There's there's uh, there's all sorts of Love Island. Love yeah, Island Australia, whole... very white, very white. Oh, Love Island Australia is not a shock. No. <laughs> but boy, are they hot! They're all in great shape. Yes, which you know, good for them. Knock yourself out. I guess, I guess that I guess that's a career path now. If you're hot, you can be on a reality show. I and somebody called somebody called Australia Australia Love Island Australia Caucasian Island. <laughs> <laughs> They're not wrong. <laughs> that's funny. They're not. That's wrong pretty at funny. All. So mm-hmm. uh, so something else that's going on on Twitter obviously is a lot of people um, tweeting about what's going on now about Black Lives Matter and the protests. Um, is that something you keep up with on Twitter? Like, do you get your news from there? Some of it, yes. Um, I have a I have a lot of friends in New York who have been tweeting about how the protests are going up there. Um, And it seems to me that there's been a lot more, like, police brutality and tear gassing and stuff with the protesters in NYC than there has been here in D.C. Um, Because the times that I went to the protests here in D.C., the police were very, like, they were there, but there was never, like, any... any violence. The two days that I went was this past weekend. So it could be because it was like, you know, it's the late. It wasn't the early stages of protesting, so maybe things have calmed down a bit. But, mm. um, yeah, I have um, been getting a lot of, like, frontline news from my uh, That's interesting because I had heard that um, that D.C. was getting a little nuts, that things were actually going a, little, going a little crazy. But you said you feel like it's going crazier in New York. Yeah, from what from what I can hear, um, and I know that DC has had some crazy days. Um, I was not personally there for them, but I would watch my friend Jack's live stream. Um, it, I think the wildest day was when Trump went to that church for that photo op, and things got nuts, and he had people tear gas so he could basically just have a clear pathway to the church, and that was the most insane day. And then after that, it seems like things kind of. Um, slow down a little bit, which is good mm. because people need to be getting tear gassed for simply peacefully protesting. No, no, that's horrible. That's horrible. Um, so I'm just looking at, your, I'm looking at your Twitter now. And I, I, I actually retweeted – what did I retweet of yours? I just had it here. Black lives should matter to you before one of us gets killed. And yes. that's, that's pretty – that's um, – on the one hand, uh, yes, of course, <laughs> but – 
you know, but you're also not holding back on Twitter. Like you're saying what you want to say. Yeah. Um, since, you know, it's, it's my Twitter. Uh, I figure I can do, uh, what I want with it within reason. But, um, yeah, I do kind of feel like it's a weird thing right now. Cause I've had a lot of my friends like do the whole check-in thing with me and I'm fine. Um, but I grew up in a predominantly white town and I'm used to racism. So like, it kind of feels like to me, um, like I've been telling people for years, that there's like a building on fire and people like just ignoring me, you know? And then when the building finally burns to the ground and people realize that it was like, like a historical building or something like, Oh my God, why didn't someone say something sooner? And it's like me and all my black friends like standing around, like we've been trying to tell you. And it's just kind of like I wish that people would care a little bit more about this issue before, you know, a black person gets gets murdered by the police or is treated so unfairly that it makes national headline. Like, it kind of would just be nice if people would, like, stop saying – like, if I, if I could just stop fighting with white people over saying the N-word, you know, that would what be is nice. What is it? I do – I – oh, boy – as long as you brought it up, I just – I don't get that. You can't say it. White people, you're not allowed to say that. That's it. It's it's not up for debate. Like what what is the argument? Like what do people say to you? Like what could someone possibly say like that they that they should be allowed to say it? I don't understand what the what the argument could possibly be. Well, I've had some people tell me like, oh, I have black friends and they're okay with me saying it. And I'm like, okay, well, I am not that black friend. Like stop saying it or like um like in my hometown a lot of white girls they would always just like flippantly refer to each other as you know that's my n-word that's my uh, and i would just kind of be like you guys really shouldn't say that and they were just like it's just another word like if you can if rappers can say it in their rap songs i don't get why we can't say it and i was just like okay like they really really didn't get it um and it's interesting because they're the same people now who who have been on the the front lines for days protesting, which is great, but it's it's also like in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, I literally was just fighting with you like three years ago to get you to stop saying <laughs> the N word. Like, okay, I mean, I'm glad like this was like the thing to get you to stop doing it, but also like, why couldn't you have just stopped when I asked you to to do it? You know, but <clears throat> I guess I guess progress is better than nothing. I mean, you say, you seem sort of resigned to it. I mean, I was I was going to ask like, is it exhausting? But I feel like even me asking that question is sort of exhausting. Um, like I said, I grew up in a, in a very very white town, and like my family was the only black family on the block. So there were like a lot of things that would like happen to me and my sister where, like, I don't. I guess we just took it as that, that was life. Like we would get followed around. Um, at the local grocery store or, like, people would make comments about our hair. And I, it just got to the point where I was like, oh, well, that's that's just life for me, you know. And then it wasn't until I started getting to know some of the other black people in my hometown and befriending them that it was like, no, girl, that's racism. Like, that's not life. Like, <laughs> that's people being racist towards you, and you shouldn't just, like, resign yourself to, like, oh, well, people always want to touch my hair, and I should just let them because it's, that's the polite thing to do. They were like, you have every right to tell them no. That's like a microaggression. You can't, I'm not a, like, I'm not a animal at the petting zoo. Leave me alone. So like, as I got older, that's when I was like, oh, 
this whole time people have they've been racist like and that's not okay um so yeah i mean like i'm kind of resigned towards it but i'm also like actively uh for speaking out against it and and fighting it whenever you can but sometimes there's just at certain points i've said what i said and if you don't get the if you don't get it i'm just not going to repeat it like i don't have time <laughs> anymore no, I don't blame you. I mean, I think I think if ever there's a time when people are going to listen, it might be now. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that inspires you to to talk about it more, or if you're going to you know stick with what you have. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, I I do want to talk about it more. I feel like you're right. Now's the best time to to speak on it more more so than ever because, I mean, if anything, we are seeing some positive changes. From these protests, um, like Minneapolis is actually, um, they're, what's the word? Not Debanding's not a word. They're defunding their police department, I think. They they're are? De- they're, yeah, they're, um, they've decided that they're just not going to back it as much as they were before all this. Um, I don't have the article right in front of me, but I know that they are, um, they're doing some pretty, significant uh, cleaning of the city police council, department. Minneapolis city council members intend to defund and dismantle the city's police department. Wow. Yes. So, That's I mean, huge. Protesting does work. And speaking out How against, can you de- – wait, so does that mean there's no more police? I think they're just not going to pay them. Um they're not going to work I for free. I don't know how that's going to work exactly. Only, only, only comedians and podcasters work for free. I mean, come on. I know. So this will be really interesting to see who signs up for the police department now. Um, I don't think it says that God, anyone, anyone who would volunteer to be a police officer is not who you want to be a police officer, I would say. Oh. That's a scary thought. <laughs> but No, I don't mean to be flip about this. This is huge. I mean, I mm-hmm. – because, I mean, there's – I know people were talk, – there was a lot of talk about, you know, uh, defund the police. And I was like, oh, come on. Is that really going to happen? And uh, – They did, yeah. Nine members um, of the city council announced their intent – that they intend. Mm. So with nine votes, they would have a veto-proof supermajority of the council's 13 members. Wow. Wowie, wowie, wow. That is – that's impressive. Yeah, so they're really seeking out to, to change for the better, which is good. Um Hopefully, you know, we don't have to see another George Floyd situation happen for a long time. But I guess only time will tell. So. Hmm. Um, yeah, there was something making the rounds on Facebook of things of, things of that nature. And it was a pretty long list. So, I mean, I would say that the protests have definitely been effective. Yes. I, I agree that a, 100%. I think that is a fair statement. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you said you have been going to the protests. Yes, um, and they've been they've been um, like I said when I was there, fairly peaceful. Um, there was there was a lot of unity amongst the crowd there, and uh, the busiest day that I went, there was about like there was a lot of different organizations there marching and stuff. So it was kind of like a mashup. Um, of groups and people all meeting up at Lafayette Square. Uh, and it was just, it was really beautiful to see just everybody uniting together on one front um, and everybody just agreeing, you know, that Black Lives Matter and 
that people are tired of seeing what they've been seeing on the news for years and years. And it's time to time to see something different, something better. Now, something that I heard from uh, the Reverend L. Sharpton and also another reverend um, whose name is escaping me right now, but he, this other guy is 89, and it's been around, you know, forever. He marched with Dr. King, you know, all, all the bona fides. And what both of them said is that they they think things are different this time around because there's more diversity in the crowds. That this is not only, you know, it, it's not only people of one race coming, you know, coming together. That it's really everyone coming together. Did you notice that when you were out uh, at the protests? I did. Um, I noticed, you know, a lot of white people. I noticed a lot of. Latinas uh, for Black Lives Matter. Um, there was Asian people out. There was just everybody. There was even a group called Gingers for Black Lives Matter, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it was just like a tent of redheaded, like giving out like snacks and, and free water and stuff. And I was like, that's so cool. That um, cool. I meant to take a picture of their sign, but I forgot because I got distracted by the by the snacks. <laughs> Distracted by snacks, don't so many stories start that way or end that way, depending on depending on your point of view. Um, so you've been going out to protest. What else have you What else have you been filling your days with, other than eating? I think you said cheese. That's in your bed. What What else has been going on? Um, I've still been working um, because I'm an essential worker, so I still go into work oh. every uh, except for today. I'm on vacation until. Thursday, but I've been working and I'm getting ready for my summer classes at UMD to start, and I'm not looking forward to it. Why not? Um, but yeah, working school, uh, running my two comedy shows on Zoom, and working on my podcast um, with my friend Sophie. Let's see. Oh yeah, I'm watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance. That's 90 Day Fiance. That is a crazy show. I, I, I watched that show on an airplane, and I, and I was just I, I'm not really a reality show guy, but man, is that show wacky! It is. I could never do it. It is so no. so so like I don't like I don't think I'll ever be that desperate to like be with somebody like like at all. Like I'm so okay with being by myself. There's I cannot see at any point in time where I would be like okay. So I met this guy online, and he lives, like, I don't know, in freaking Australia, and we're just going to make it work. I'd be like, you know what? You can stay in Australia. <laughs> it's too much trying to coordinate everything. Um, there's one episode that I just got finished watching. Um, it's called 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way Around, and it's where Americans move to the country where their lover is. Uh, and this lady moves to India to be with this guy, they had been dating for six years online, and it turns out he had a wife the whole time, and she almost <laughs> got arrested being with a married man, and I almost fell out. I was like, girl, oh. Do why so, do you allow the TV show to happen, though, if you're the guy? That's what the producers asked him. They were like, why would you do all this? And he was just like, I didn't think I was going to get caught. We were like, really? He didn't? Okay. So it's it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I would think so. That's that's pretty kooky. Yeah, like I I thought my dating life was weird. No, <laughs> it's, I, it's I, fairly I normal it, compared. To it couldn't possibly be that weird. So what? Uh, tell me about your Zoom shows, the comedy shows you're doing. 
Um, I run an open mic with my friend Bob Holden every Wednesday. It's called Witty Wednesday at 8, and it's mostly, like, uh, comedians from the DMV area, although we have also had some of my comedian friends in Texas and New York City be on the show. Um, it's very chill. Like, Bob is a chill person, and I'm fairly chill, so it's it's mostly, like, our comic friends t- trying out new material with each other. And then Friday, I run a Zoom comedy show called Women Behind Glass. Um, it's an all-women lineup every Friday at 10 o'clock, and it's basically uh, female comedians, you know, with their tight fives or them ranting about what quarantine life has been like um, for five minutes. But usually everybody does comedy material. There have not been, surprisingly, there haven't been that many rants. Um, so, yeah, but those are the two shows that we do. Oh, cool. And they're pretty, they've been keeping me sane because um, it's weird not having an open mic to go to every night and just, like, coming home from work and just sitting so it's been good to have to have those two shows as kind of a an anchor still with the comedy world. I don't know. Sure. No, absolutely. I mean, I I've been finding that 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 is basically what's been keeping me sane. I mean, I've talked about it on the show quite a bit. Is the the open mics, the shows, the writing, doing doing tremendous amount of writing, not the last few days, but um, in general. And that's just, I don't know what I'd be doing without comedy. Like, I'm, I'm a couple of years in, and I, I, if this had happened, you know, three years ago when I didn't have comedy in my life, I would be, I, I mean, I'd think of something, but I don't think it would be as satisfying. Yeah, same. Um, I'm trying to even think what I was doing three years ago. Um, I think it was a lot of bar hopping. I just turned 21. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but now... I have my shows to look forward to, um, and I run my podcast with my friend Sophie, um, where we interview our exes every week, and that's been a trip, <laughs> but it, it's been entertaining. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so. What's the podcast what's, called? Uh, been keeping me afloat. Do what? What's the podcast called? Oh, your ex is here. Your ex is here. Very nice. And descriptive. Yes. Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, do you mind if do you mind if I ask what you do? You said you were an essential worker. Yes. Uh, so I work in banking. Um, so I am a CSR, which basically means I do all of the the grunt work for the uh, portfolio investors and the credit analysts at my branch. I do all of the filing, the paperwork, the spreadsheets, the talking to clients. I do all of that, um, which is pretty – it's a good job. I like it. It's it's a lot calmer than any job I've ever had before. I used to work in retail, like the job that I've had the longest in my life. I was a cashier for three years at an organic grocery store, and there's not enough money in the world to pay me to go back. <laughs> Why? What's, ro- what's wrong with that? I, I can imagine, but uh, tell me. Well, I think, like, okay, so as a – essential worker for banking it's still a pretty cushy job like we don't allow people in it's nine to five no weekends my boss is very calm and easygoing and there's only three coworkers that I have to put up with that's it and 
when I was a cashier, you just had to deal with the general public all the time. And, like, people treated you like you were dumb. And, like, I had to argue with people over coupons. And, like, if you were having a bad day, nobody cared. I remember one time I got broken up with, like, the day before, and I was so devastated and hurt. But I still had to go into work, and I just stood at my cashier desk or whatever it's called, my register, and cried my eyes out. Like, I was scanning people's stuff and, like, accidentally crying over people's kale, and I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm just having a bad day. And they were like, oh, no, can't your manager, like, you know, let you have the day off? And I was like, no, I don't have paid time off. I don't have, you know, whatever. (laughs) So you just kind of have to, like, sit there and put up with a lot of crap for very little amount of funds. Um, It wasn't... It wasn't super great, Uh, but it definitely, it could have been worse, but I just, I've realized about myself, I don't have the patience to put up with the public, and I don't have the patience to do it for 12 hours a day, like I was sometimes doing at the grocery store. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I wouldn't have the patience for it. Um, How did you get into comedy? My friends back in Texas talked me into it. Um, My friend Matt Villegas, he runs a comedy group in Amarillo, where I'm from, um, Amarillo, Texas. And uh, his girlfriend, who's one of, she's one of my good friends. We met at the bank that we were both working at at the time. Um, But she was like, yeah, you know, he thinks you're really funny, and he has this comedy group you should join. It's a bunch of, like, white dudes trying to be edgelords. Like, I think it would be good to, like, have a girl in there. And at first I wasn't going to do it because I was like, I don't want to be with a bunch of fucking edgelords like I don't want that um but Matt was like no dude like I promise I'll keep it I'll keep the edgelord material to a minimum just like whatever amount of stage time you want just you can have it um so really I got my start through Matt and I found that I really enjoyed it um and so I just decided to stick with it even after I moved up here oh that's cool um Mm -hmm. What uh, I guess, let me think. What, what kind of stuff do you talk about? Like, do you do you go political? Do you try to avoid that? Um. So I talk a lot about what it was like being homeschooled. I talk about uh, women's rights issues. I talk about like the funny aspects of being in a toxic relationship. Um, just a lot of like flippant, irreverent stuff and. I do have a few raunchy sets. Like, I I joke about my personal experience, like, with my abortion. And sometimes that goes over well with people, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, But that's, like, in my friend group, in my comedy group, that's mostly what people remember me for is my abortion jokes. So I have mixed feelings about that, but, I mean, I I think it's funny. Makes feelings about being remembered that way. Is that what you mean? Yeah, um, but I mean that's. I guess that makes sense. It's it's uh, the most controversial joke out of all of my my sets. Um, but I'm I I'm proud of it. I stand behind it. Well, if it's a thing that happened to you, you know, yeah. right? I mean, ultimately, you're you know, you're going to talk about your experience. Um, if you yeah. can find a way to if you can find a way to make that funny then that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty neat trick if you can do that because that's obviously a really difficult subject. 
Yeah, um, and sometimes I've had people, like, come up to me after the show, after a show, and they'll be like, well, did that really happen to you? I'm like, well, yeah, like, I wouldn't, I would never, like, talk about something that, you know, kind of dark without it actually be something that really, that really happened to me. Um, But I always just joke that I had one because I don't want to go to a PTA meeting before I'm 30, Um, which is true. Because really you don't want to go to what? what, what uh, say it again. I'm sorry. The little voice came in and interrupted. Oh, no, you're good. I just said I didn't want to go to a PTA meeting before I was 30. Um, <laughs> that's a good joke. I like that. Thank you. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, look, obvious, obviously, you know, no one's going to – obviously, it's going to be a tricky subject because it's a, it's a hard subject for people to talk about and hard, hard subject for people to hear about. But I don't – I mean, you know. For, for what it's worth, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid joke. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I really just want to destigmatize that whole, like, c- subject and topic. Like, I don't really think, like, people should be afraid to come forward and talk about their abortion experience. Because um, the more you talk about it, the more you normalize it, um, and the less people feel uh, stigmatized and like they did something wrong, when really it's just like any other life decision that you that you made. That's it. It's just the decision. You, you felt like it was the best thing for you to do, so you did it, and that's that's it. You don't have to feel embarrassed or ashamed or like you did anything anything wrong. It happens, kind of thing. Right. I think that's I that seems positive. It seems like there's nothing yeah. n- nothing negative about that. Mm-mm. Um, and then so homeschooling. To... Homeschooling sounds like it's got a lot of material there too. Oh, boy. Yeah, (laughs) there is. um, It's one thing to be homeschooled. That's already weird. But, like, to be the only black homeschoolers in the entire panhandle of Texas with conservative black parents was a complete trip. Like, (laughs) it was just – it's definitely made me and my sister the individuals that we are uh, because most kids, you know, they'd be – at school and going to different classes and meanwhile my sister and I were like fooling around on the sims too while our mom was like taking a depression nap or like writing sketches or something to act out in front of our dad when he would get home from work and he would always just like look at us with this very tired look on his face and tell us not to quit our day jobs uh-huh. um, I didn't understand what that meant at 10 years old I was like I don't What's what's a what's a day job? But now that I'm an adult, I was like, oh, he didn't think we were funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice, real nice. Yeah, uh, do you... So it was weird, um, but it it made me, it it made me into who I am today, and I don't know. I'm I'm kind of thankful for that because I'm able to think for myself, and I don't. I've never been somebody that just like goes along with the crowd. I've always been that friend that's like, wait we should think about this and like we will think about it and we'll still do the stupid thing, but at least we thought about it before we did it, you know? Right. Um, do, you, do you have a sense of why they homeschooled you? Like was, were they try was, uh, was it for religious reasons? Was there something else? I, I got bullied a lot when I was in public school. Oh, um, wow. Like I was school from kindergarten to third grade and I was, generally the only black girl in all of my classes so I got picked on for my hair I got picked on for the way I talked um 
the way I dressed, just lots of little things to the point where, like, I would come home every day in tears, and my mom was just kind of, like, getting frustrated because it just felt like no matter what I did, I wasn't fitting in with the other kids, and she was like, well, you know, you're really smart, and I would hate for your education to be hindered by, like, all this negative social socializing experience that you're having with these kids in your group, um, so let's just try this out for a little bit. Like, we were only supposed to try it out. Um, by the time high school came around, I was ready to go back, but my parents were just like, no, we're just going to – we're just going to keep doing this, and I kind of resented that because I didn't want to be at home at 14 through 18 mm-hmm. years old. You know, everything, there's a lot of exciting things that happen in high school, uh, or at least from my perspective, maybe there was. I don't know. I didn't go to a public school, but I felt like I was missing out on stuff. Um, it turns out I was not. Uh, I was not at all, but at the time, it felt like I was. But, yeah, that was the main reason was I was getting bullied a lot, and my mom just felt like she could do a better job teaching me at home, so that's just what she did. Wow. I'm sorry I'm sorry you were getting bullied. That's awful. But um, that's obviously a pretty good reason to, to homeschool you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's okay. Like, I have a tough skin because of it or whatever. But, yeah, it was it was, it was a – an interesting experience. I always joke that I can tell who's been homeschooled, like literally maybe five seconds after talking to somebody, I can just tell that they were kept at home too. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Usually if they mention that they play Dungeons and Dragons or they're wearing khaki pants in the middle of summer for no real reason, uh, they probably were homeschooled. What, what's with the khaki pants? What's that about? I don't know. what It seems like like a mating call for homeschooling for homeschoolers <laughs> just wear a lot of khaki pants i don't understand why they don't even look good but like a lot of us seem to wear them after we graduate from high school and i just don't understand what the draw is um but it's mostly the guys mostly the guys Gir- okay. girls are harder to tell um who was homeschooled and who now wasn't. you say it, it was- interestingly you, you say kept at home which is an interesting turn of phrase yeah, because, I mean, that's essentially, that's what kind of, that's how it felt for me is, like, you know, we were kept at home while everyone else, you know, was getting ready in the morning to go to school and stuff. We would we just woke up and, like, would migrate to the living room for school, and that was that was about it. Um, I mean, like, we did do stuff. We went to field trips, and we would meet up with other homeschoolers, and I did a lot of outside activities, like I volunteered at the zoo for a lot of, for many years growing up. Um, I did ballet, guitar lessons. My sister, she did gymnastics and um, flute lessons, I think. She did some kind of instrument, I don't remember. Or the electric guitar. She learned the electric guitar. I learned the acoustic. So we, we did do stuff, but um, the majority of our time was, was at home. Right. Yeah, and certainly when you're a teenager, I mean, I, I was not homeschooled, but I mean, I did, I didn't want to spend any time at home, uh, when, I, when, you know, once I got to high school. Like my mother made me stay home one night of every weekend, and I was furious about that. Like you know, and that, even that was an imposition as far as I was concerned. So I can only imagine if you're home all the time, um, how hard that must have been. Yeah, um, we kind of we went stir crazy there for a little bit. I remember 
one time I was like 15, and my sister and I, we had done something. I don't remember what it was, but we ended up getting grounded for like a week. And then like that week just turned into like a whole month of not leaving the house because it just was like we were grounded from everything. So we just never left the house. And it was like one of the most bizarre experiences that I've ever had because I just spent a whole month inside for no real reason at all other than, like, I think I bought a Rihanna CD or something, and I got, in tr- I got in trouble, and so, like, no TV, no computer. Like, we were just allowed to go to the library, and that was it. Like, that was my life for a month. What was wrong with so, buying a Rihanna CD? Do what? What was wrong with buying a Rihanna CD? My mom is very religious, and she doesn't like uh, what she refers to as secular music. Um, so like a lot of, a lot of the artists that I liked and still like to this day, she did not approve of or want us to listen to, um, like we really weren't allowed to listen to anything other than Christian radio, but Christian radio sucks. So like I would, <laughs> sorry, CDs. no, you're good. Um, <laughs> but I was like sneak by CDs that I wasn't supposed to have like Katy Perry or Rihanna or Beyonce. And then I would hide them in my underwear drawer. And I would listen to them <laughs> secretly at night um, when I was pretty sure that my mom was either asleep or she was reading conspiracy theories on her computer and was too involved to, like, come see what I was doing. So, But eventually one day she found them. Um, I don't really remember how, but she found just the, just the cover art for the Rihanna CD, and she flipped out, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> That was it was an interesting time, um, but you know we don't even have CDs anymore. Like I think about how different my experience would be if I was in high school, like right now, and still being homeschooled. I could get away with so much because everybody streams everything. There's no way that my mom would have even known. That's true. That's very true. You can as long as, unless they take away your internet, which you, which you really can't do. I mean, there's this sort of like uh, once with my son, we were, you know, we wanted to punish him, and it's like if we take away his internet, he can't do his schoolwork. So, you know, you can't really do that. Like, you, I'm taking your computer away. Well, how am I going to do my homework? Uh, you know, like it's just it's not an option. Yeah, so you have to come up with more creative ways or something. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, to, I guess so. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brett. No, 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 Brett. Um, I used to babysit for a family where, like, they didn't believe in screen time. So, like, they didn't believe in, like, letting the little ones watch TV or be on their their tablets or anything for longer than 15 minutes. And that just blew my mind. I was like, do you guys, do you not enjoy, like, time to yourselves? Like, how else are you going to get away from your kids for a minute or, like, distract them? Um I think that was, like, the hardest babysitting job that I had. I I watched that family for, like, four years, and I always had to come up with something creative or or come over with arts and crafts or something because they just weren't allowed to watch TV, which is – that's a good thing. I don't think you should leave your kids in front of TV all day, but, like, I don't think an hour a day is going to kill them either. No, that's like, <laughs> Sesame Street. Come on. Sesame Street's good stuff. Yeah, they did a. They just did a COVID nineteen episode. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they did. They did a protest episode. Yeah, my little um, my baby cousins watched it. Uh, they said that they want to be activists when they grow up. Now, aww, that's, that's so nice. 
They're so cute. I hope they that's do the it best. too. Yeah, um, that's the best. That's great. I like that. Yeah, How old see, are they? screen time is not always a bad thing, but um, I think a lot of parents are now realizing that they don't have, they really cannot afford to be that strict, especially right now. Um, oh God! If I, I, I mean, if I had a, a little one home, they'd I'd just be like, here, <laughs> knock yourself out. I mean, I, I, I just, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I mean, my, my 15-year-old is on, is on his computer all day. But I mean, some of that's for school. And the, but even when it's not, I mean, it's like, what are you gonna do? I mean, screen time. This is what this is what we do now. You know, I, I just, it's, it's hard. Yeah. So it's trying to regulate that like I can't imagine being a parent right now who's been having to like self-quarantine with anybody under the age of five I just I empathize a great deal because (laughs) I've spent time with little ones and it's it's not it's not easy all the time no Um, not at all definitely should incorporate screen time if you want to keep your your sanity so 100 percent 100 percent I could not agree more yeah, I, I I feel like those kids are going to grow up and be, you know, and and be glued to a screen. I mean, I, I just I just feel like if you design it, that it's going to be a super super special thing, and it's going to be really exciting and mysterious. And so the second they get their hands on it, they're probably going to be glued to it. I don't I don't know that for a fact, but that is my that that would be my guess. Yeah, um, but again, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like you could always point them in the direction of like I don't know ebooks or something but there's there's also just like I learned a lot growing up on the computer like I remember when I was about four or five is when we first got our our um our home monitor or whatever our first home computer and I basically set the whole thing up for my dad because he didn't know what he was doing and so I've been on the computer pretty much my whole life and I mean, it's definitely come in handy. I mean, jobs, they want to know if you have experience with Microsoft and Excel and all that, all the Word, or all the Word, all the window programs and, like, right. I mean, everything these days, for the most part, is through a screen. So. Yeah, I don't know that there's really, I, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, also, they're going to look at Mommy and Daddy, and unless they're unless you're really careful, Mommy and Daddy are going to be looking at a screen all the time, too. You know, so I don't know yeah. what I, it's. I, I I mean, look, we, we do device-free dinner. We we insist on not having a, which is actually something we got from a, from a particularly annoying um, public service announcement. But it but it but we were like, you know what, we like that. So let's just do device-free dinner. Like no one's allowed to be on their device while dinner's going on, and that's nice, you know. But at the same time, rest of the time it's like, eh. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm definitely on my phone way too much. So, I mean, you know, that's that's not news. But um, I think it would probably be very difficult, as you say, to have a kid, have a young kid, and you try to figure out how to entertain them. And God forbid you have to go do something. Like you got to go. To, I mean, if you got work to do, you know, I got to. I, I sorry, <laughs> take the tablet and have fun. Um, so, Aladi, this has been really great. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. Um, tell everyone where they can find you on the social medias. For sure. Um, so on Twitter, my handle is Alani Kitten, and then on Instagram, it is Electric Rose Kitten. Um, I mean, I do have a Facebook, but I really – it's not public or anything. It's more of oh, a, yeah, no a person. 
But yeah, if you want to add me on there, you can. I mostly just po- I post a bunch of memes and like irreverent thoughts that come to my head every once in a while. Memes uh, are good. But yeah, that's it. Thank you so and much, next, Brett, for having. Yeah, of course. And your next show is Friday. Uh, our next show is this Wednesday at eight with Bob Holden. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, great. And you can find that on your Twitter and uh, your Instagram. Yep. All right. Um, Alani, thank you for calling in. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back on Wednesday at 11 a.m. We're going to skip tomorrow. And uh, everyone, as we always say, please stay safe.